When you're struggling with your mental health, the world can seem pretty heavy, like no one understands what you're feeling or you're not sure how to ask for help. But here's the real truth. You're never in this alone. 988 Lifelines trained crisis counselors are available 24-7 to offer the help and support you need to make it through. No judgment, no stigma, just someone to listen. Text or call 988-SUICIDE-IN-CRISIS-LIFELINE, day or night, 988. Hope has a new number. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 65. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thank you guys for being back with us here this Friday, just about 24 hours away from kickoff, the Saturday night Christmas Eve game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Las Vegas Raiders, both teams 6-8, and eight, both teams desperately needing a win. But of course, Dave, uh, heart still heavy, a very somber tone over the city of Pittsburgh right now as they're still reacting to the death of Franco Harris on Wednesday as of this recording. And it seems very clear at this point the team will proceed with the uh, jersey retirement and, and number retirement ceremony during halftime of this game. But still, frankly, they processing all that's occurred over the last 48 hours. Yeah, I think Joe Green said it best. Yeah, a couple of days ago, right? Uh, feels like a bad dream that I'm, 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 you know, uh, waiting for somebody uh, to wake me up from here. And uh, look, uh, you know, pa- you know, people pass, and 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 obviously, you know, uh, uh, that that that's going to happen. But just the whole timing of it as, as well too is just so hard to wrap your 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 brain around and. Uh, I, I, I the, the thing I think that at least gives me the most comfort in this is at least he knew what was coming, right? He knew his uh, jersey was going to be retired. He knew that this was uh, uh, going to be the, you know, the 50th uh, uh, anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. He knew the magnitude of this and the, and, 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 and the part that he was going to play uh, in this weekend and all. So uh, at least he knew you know, he was being recognized in that manner. So I think that's uh, something that gives me at least a little bit uh, 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 of comfort when it comes to this. Sure. Me as well. But in in some ways, in a a very selfish sense, and I had a terrible take on this Wednesday, immediately reacting to his death. I'm just so, so many emotions, sadness, but anger as well, because Mm -hmm. he was three days away from having that moment. That was his moment. It was his night. And, And to be robbed of that for him and for his family, just just really makes you angry inside. And then just all the other things. I mean, he was on Kim Hayward's podcast the day before <laughs> he died. It, it's, it's incredible. And Hayward ended up releasing the, the episode and listened to it. And it, it's very eerie and, and, and hard to listen to, frankly. Um, but I'm glad that conversation could, could at least happen. And, and Franco, one last time, could talk about the immaculate reception. And um, But at the same time, he talked about in, in that interview about being excited for Saturday and just right. so many emotions running through you know my head and I'm sure your head and every... Steelers fan out there. Um, so it's still trying to, to process that grief. Yeah. Look, uh, and, 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 you know, as we said, I mean, you know, uh, you just never know, right. 
uh, you got, you know, that just another reminder of how uh, here today, uh, gone tomorrow and all. So uh, obviously going to be on a lot of people's minds, uh, you know, for, for, for several reasons and uh, just looking forward to seeing, you know, the celebration of his jersey getting retired now. And, and thankfully, I think that that part of this will con- continue on. Uh, there's a football, you know, if you're listening to this, right. uh, remember that Friday night, uh, there's a football life of, of Franco Harris uh, that will uh, that will be shown on the uh, NFL Network later tonight. And I think uh, at some point during the broadcast on uh, on Saturday on the NFL Network broadcast, they're going to have uh, it was obviously, you know, I think it's been in the can for a little while, kind of a generations type series of uh, Franco Harris sitting down with Najee Harris going over the uh, immaculate reception. So that'll be must uh, must see CTV as well. Absolutely. So today, of course, is the official 50th year anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, December 23rd, 1972. So if you're listening to this before 3.41 p.m. Eastern Time and you have that moment come up, set your alarm and just think about that moment. Think about Franco Harris. And so while this weekend will be dominated by the morning and sadness and remembrance of Franco Harris, we do want to move on here and talk about some Steelers football because we have a lot to discuss. Before we do that, I want to mention we'll have a Raiders beat writer on a bit later in the show to talk about everything Raiders. That's going to be our friend Vinny Bonsignor. You can follow him on Twitter, and you absolutely should, at Vinny Bonsignor. He writes for the Las Vegas Review-Journal, also as the co-host of the Morning Tailgate Raiders Nation radio show, and that is streamed on Raiders.com. So we'll talk to Vinny here in a little bit. Some housekeeping, Dave, for you and I to go over. We had mentioned on Wednesday the Falcons had poached uh, David Anini off the uh, Steelers practice squad, and so that opened a vacancy there that has been filled by Mike Tafua. Uh, Steelers signing him to the practice squad on Wednesday after our show, former undrafted player out of Utah who signed with the uh, Dallas Cowboys, and so he is now the replacement on the practice squad. Yeah, look, quite an athlete. That, 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 that's the kind of player that they like to sign, right? Those guys that have the measurables off the chart. But uh, just like, you know, uh, you know will, will anything ever become of this, you know, obviously is the question. You know, uh, with him being on the practice squad, uh, it's, it's doubtful he's going to hit the 53-man roster here to close out the season. But maybe this is a guy that you signed to a futures contract right after the season. And maybe it's a guy that, you know, maybe we'll be talking about uh, uh, heading into training camp next year. Yeah, I know. I'm looking at the RAS score. It's 903, but it looks like that's calling him a defensive tackle. And so I think if you made him an outside linebacker, the numbers would probably look a little less impressive. Okay. Fair but, enough. Uh, but but he is, you know, he is um, you know, uh at least, you know, uh, on some measurable sides, I think he matches up to some things. Yeah, he's got good size and he was really productive in in uh, college at Utah and so, you know, futures contract probably and maybe he'll be in camp next year and we can get eyes on him. Then um, also happening since we last spoke on Wednesday, the uh, NFL announcing the 2023 Pro Bowl game selections, no actual Pro Bowl game this year. There's going to be schools competition. I think flag football replacing the boring and just very dull uh, actual uh, in-game event uh, that had gone on for throughout its history Two Pittsburgh Steelers uh, named to that Pro Bowl roster in Minka Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt, which is bit of a surprise given his injury and you know lackluster season just because of the injury several Pro Bowl alternates also named in Kim Hayward Pat Frymuth Alex Highsmith and Derek Watt but it is Fitzpatrick and Watt 
again, Watt getting the nod over Alex Highsmith. There's a lot of questions there. Yeah, there is, and it's and it is no it's no shot at Watt, right? Uh, no, no. It, 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 it's just the fact that he's you know he missed quite he's a hurt. few games yeah. this this year, and uh, I mean it's reputation. Let's I mean let's face it, reputation gets you in, and fan votes only a third of the uh, factor. If it's even that, I mean, that's that's how they advertise it. You mm-hmm. know, a third of the vote and then players and coaches are make up the other two thirds here. And uh, uh, Alex Highsmith, I think, was something like what was he like fifth or sixth? Uh, uh, he was, I think, fourth. And yeah, just to interrupt, uh, I apologize. Yeah. But everyone said like, you know, the TJ Watt got in because the fans voted for him because of the name. Alex Highsmith got way more fan votes than TJ Watt. Watt was not even in the top 10, I don't believe, in, in position no. of voting. So I don't know what what it's either the media or the players that got Watt in. It's not the fans. Right. And by even when you talk about top 10 at the position group, that's a combined AFC and NFC. Uh, right. That's, ju- that's not just top 10 AFC or NFC. Uh, he was in a top. Alex Heisman was in the top 10 uh, uh, for the position group, you know, across the league here. So people, you know, fans were recognizing him, you Mm -hmm. know, and uh, 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 to get him in. And obviously Watt was not in that top 10. So uh, there, you know, look, I mean, you could go around the league and say, you know, snubs and, and, and this, that, and the other here, but uh, something probably, you know, like the all pro and all like that uh, uh, type designations uh, there, there needs to be, I think another element like fail safes in here, I think maybe moving forward and look, the, the pro bowl get the pro bowl is not really the pro bowl anymore. It's pro bowl games is flag flow, but it's the honor. Look, this is costing Alex Highsmith money. Yeah. I was going to say it's the honor. It's the money too. It's definitely the money. Right. And, and, and by, by costing Alex Highsmith money, I'm talking about the, the proven performance escalator. I'm not talking about future contract. Uh, if, if, if Alex Highsmith had made the pro bowl on the original ballot, it would have took him up to the, the top level there in the proven performance escalator. And it would have made a difference in his pay in 2023. So and pretty significantly by like a million dollars. Yeah, Isn't that yeah so? exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, here. So, uh, once again, you know, you could go around the league and, and this guy got stuff and look, ca- calling these guys alternates. Now at this point, uh, I don't know if you check, but there's like, uh, you know, 20 alternates <laughs> at, at, at each, each sure. position group here now because of the way that they do this thing. So it's really by recognition only because I think even, uh, Alex Highsmith as far down on the list that as he is, I think a, quite a few people would have to bow out of this thing for him to even get in. And even if he got in as an alternate, it's not an original ballot thing. So he would not pick up the proven performance escalator. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and, and Oh, you got, of, you get my blood, you get me all mad worked, about it up, worked up yeah. about it here, man. But, uh, I, and once again, it's no shot at, 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 at TJ watch is this kids had a great year and would have been nice to see him get in. Yeah, I bet you TJ Watts speaking to the media today, but I literally could guarantee you the first thing he says when asked about it is Alex should have gotten in. I should sure. have gotten in. I mean, because it, again, Watts fantastic player, but it's it's based on in-season results. Watt missed half the year, has four sacks. Highsmith has 11 sacks and ties the league lead with four forced fumbles. So you, you tell me who's more deserving of that in this particular season. So, right. um, yeah, and how many players will bow, bow out? Probably some, but probably less than, than years past because there's no, no official game. Obviously, those who make the Super Bowl will, will bow out and things like that. But that's surprising. And then for Cam Hayward, 
I'm not as upset about his exclusion. I understand the guys in front of him certainly have a really strong case as well, but I'm thinking about Hall of Fame for Hayward down the road, and a six right. Pro Bowl would have done him a whole lot of good. And so uh, to 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 miss that for now at least is unfortunate. Yes, uh, last five in a row, right? Yeah, you had the tweet, right? He had five in a row. This, right. this breaks a streak. Right, breaks a streak here. So uh, that is, again, Fitzpatrick, which is great for him and certainly deserving what more of a surprise, disappointed on Highsmith, and we'll see if any of the alternates do eventually get in uh, down the road. All right, Dave, uh, talking about the Steelers' injury report, and this one's a little bit weird as well, given the Saturday game. So the team's final injury report came out on Thursday, although the team is practicing still today and there could be changes, but let's run through the Thursday report. Three players receiving game statuses for the Raiders contest. That's Deontay Johnson, Terrell Edmonds, and Miles Jack, all questionable. Jack did practice fully on Thursday, so he should be good. Edmonds has not practiced all week, and Johnson has essentially not practiced all week as well. But again, there is a practice on Friday. My guess is Johnson plays. Edmonds, I really don't know about. I think he'll play as well, but there's probably more uncertainty this week compared to the other weeks. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if we get any upgrades or downgrades. Obviously, the uh, the uh, because of the shorter week and 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 the Thursday injury report includes included the designations, whereas normally that happens on Friday. And normally, if there's any upgrades or downgrades, those will, would happen on a Saturday. So today would probably be the day that uh, you mm-hmm. would see any upgrades or downgrades. So, uh, and I don't think they officially have to file anything as far as limited for you know anything right. like that uh today here so uh, uh I'm, I'm with you i think Edmonds is probably the most questionable uh of the group i i i feel like deontay's probably going to play uh i feel like uh, who's the other one uh miles jack uh it feels like now once again we, we can see if that changes but uh uh anyway to me it feels like uh, Edmonds is the one to watch the most here and boy they could they, they could use him uh, saturday yeah. night Uh, uh, with this probably going to be a very run-centric game. Absolutely. Kenny Pickett's been full all week, and so as we talked about Wednesday, he's going to play, he's going to start in this game with a new helmet, as we'll talk about adding a new helmet to try to reduce some of the concussions he's had this year. Um, For the Raiders, I believe there's some offensive line questions that, that you've tracked, and we'll talk to Vinny about, but generally speaking, I know the Raiders have officially ruled out Rocky Sin, one of their uh, top cornerbacks. But other than that, they're they're generally a healthy team, though. There's some questions up front. Right. Exactly. You hit it. All right. And, let's and, uh, tra- and, and like the Steelers, we'd be interested to see any upgrades or downgrades, if, if any. Absolutely. Should note that J.C. Hossenauer uh, did not practice Thursday for personal reasons, but I imagine he'll be good to go um, in this game. And then just to touch on Miles Jack, if he plays, what happens to Mark Robinson? Does he dress? Does he not? That's going to be the question. That'll be something to watch when inactives come out on Saturday evening. All right, Dave, let's transition now to Matt Canada and Terrell Austin speaking to the media yesterday, as they always do every Thursday. Let's start with Canada. And again, nothing ultra groundbreaking from either man at this point. Um, any thoughts, though, on what Canada had to say? No, just, uh, you know, kind of uh, kind of the whole the whole thing of uh, asking, you know, George Pickens and get the ball more and, and getting more involved. And he says, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, we had I'm, I'm sure when you watched him one in the middle of the field that safety kind of came down and made a play on uh, in so many uh, uh, words. He's saying, look, you know, every every play has, you know, probably Pickens as an option. 
but you just don't, you just don't throw the ball to the guy just to throw it to him. Uh, you sure. know, so, uh, uh, he said, but you know, uh, you know, starting, uh, you're, 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 you know, stating his question, the question he was asked, he says, I think George is going to continue to become a more efficient route runner and, uh, you know, uh, anticipate him getting, you know, more targets a, a, as they move forward here. And we've talked about that as well. I had a video a couple of weeks ago about Pickens route tree expanding. He's still very much an outside Z receiver, vertical feast famine guy, but the route tree has opened up to some extent. He's been used in, in more intermediate routes and dig routes and a bit more inside. And so the route tree has opened up. I thought it was a pretty thoughtful answer Canada gave. He's usually pretty close to the vest and talks in cliches and, and trite phrases, but talked about, you know, coverage dictating where the ball goes. And I thought he had a good answer there um, overall. So that was kind of, about it in terms of Canada uh, to switch over to Terrell Austin. More of the same did uh, I think had a little smile when asked about Mark Robinson and his mentality and style. And that's very much as advertised the way that he played in at Old Miss that uh, final year and the way he played the summer, that downhill, see it, hit it, finish the play mentality. Yeah. And, and, and as you stated, it's going to be interesting to see if somehow he can manage to get a helmet, uh, in this game, because the, let's face it, the, his, his style of football, I mean, if this is going to be a run centric game, as long as he gets in the right gap, uh, this, this is a game where he could probably, uh, 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 register some tackles in. Right. But the thing is it this is a numbers game, uh, assuming they don't have any elevations, there's going to have to be five inactive players, you know, and they've been dressing normally four healthy inside linebackers and uh, Marcus Allen, much to the chagrin of, of, of a lot of people listening to this was not cut. And that, you know, that was predictable. If you ask me, my terrible take yesterday was on, on Marcus Allen and how, how he can go about, uh, you know, at least uh, making steps to atone for that bonehead penalty he had the other uh, other day against the Panthers and all. But the fact of the matter is, he he's a, he's a he's a special teams core player. He's the up back, and unless you have a solution for you know, say uh, 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 Jalen Warren or something like that that you that you feel comfortable with putting back there as an up back, Marcus Allen is going to dress uh, Saturday night against the uh, against the Las Vegas Raiders. So it becomes a numbers game and. Odds are probably pretty good that Mark Robinson is going to be inactive. I think so. And the one key to Robinson seeing those seven snaps against the Panthers Sunday was because the Panthers would go so heavy. Now, the Raiders can and have used a uh, six offensive lineman and Thayer Munfer, uh, Munfer. They have used a fullback, but they aren't maybe quite as heavy of a team as what the Panthers personality is. And just generally speaking, you're going to face a more even knowing the cold and the conditions, a more pass potent team in the Raiders than you've seen in uh, the Falcons, the Ravens without Lamar Jackson and the Panthers. This is a team that get, that's getting back Darren Waller, getting back Hunter Renfro, of course, has Devontae Adams, has Derek Carr quarterback. And so they're a more balanced attack and a team that can play more 11 personnel. And those aren't things that lend itself to having a role for Mark Robinson. Right. Especially in his developmental stage here. Yeah. So we'll see. Could, could, There'd be a chance he dresses. You know, there's, you could there's a slight, yeah, I don't think it's a zero percent chance. Uh, uh, and and you know what what happens if uh, what happens if 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 if, if Troy Edmonds can't go? You know, that's maybe even though he's a uh, safety. Uh, you know, are you really going to give Josh Jackson the helmet? Probably not. So or would you elevate somebody though, an Elijah Riley or something? I, like that? I imagine you could, but uh, that would probably be the most. 
if there's a path for Mark Robinson to get a helmet, I think it would it might be related to Terrell Edmonds. Sure. The more players who are hurt, the more opportunities there could be. But we'll have to see how how things uh, shake out. So anything else, Moss? And did it was asked about the cold and said we pay no mind to that. But I'll pay mind to it because it is now three degrees. <laughs> it was five when we started speaking about an hour ago, David. It's now dropped down to three with a wind chill of closing in on negative 20. So it is going to be cold, cold, cold Saturday night. Alex, you would absolutely love Arizona. Uh, Vegas. I, you know, I'm already sold. I mean, I saw three. Uh, I'm already headed out. Uh, man, it's just, it's unbelievable out What's here. What's the temp in Vegas right now? It's probably uh, chillier, it's, but not it's, three. It's warmer than it is. <laughs> yeah, that's all I need to know. Where you are. I'll pull it up real quick as you transition us here. 44 right now. That's in the, a, in the that's high today? Balmy. Uh, it. I think it's supposed to get up to like 65 today. Yeah, I'm gone. I'm leaving mid podcast. Yeah. I mean, it is just brutal. Again, talked about that Wednesday. Going to be one of the coldest games in Steelers history. As soon as that. And look, we, we can still shuttle you back and forth to uh, to Pittsburgh and see see the family for, uh, come training camp. We, we could get you back to Pittsburgh a couple of times a year. Looks like for Saturday, they're saying around kickoff 11 degrees with 20 mile an hour winds. And so it's going to be in the the negatives uh, in terms of windshield factor. Do you do you do you think that's enough to you know how many times have we gone into games thinking weather might be an issue and the snow stops or the wind it as as, as bad as it is and it, it ended up being more bark you know the rain didn't happen the way <laughs> we thought it would happen and, and it ended up being more bark pregame than bite how, how I mean you live there. It, Is this going to be an an impactful game, especially on the passing game? I love Mondays. And yes, I'm being 100% serious. Why? It's because I'm a Dunkin' Rewards member. And Mondays are better with Dunkin' Rewards. Every Monday this month, Rewards members get a free medium hot or iced coffee with any purchase. Not a member? Join on the Dunkin' app and never miss a deal like this. Dunkin' Rewards. Save them, stack them, use them how you want. America runs on Dunkin'. Limit one per member per Monday. Additional charges and terms may apply. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. There'll be bite, literal bite, because the wind will be that biting when you're trying to get out there and, and, and stand there. I mean, I think the cold is one element, and that's almost, and I think Vinny talks about it some, which we'll get to in a moment, that the mental aspect of just dealing with the cold mentally, it maybe doesn't affect the game dramatically. The wind, though, it's 20 mile an hour winds, kicking, throwing downfield. Those types of things certainly can have a a severe impact on the course of the game and how you game plan and and the actual results of it. So while the cold will get the headlines for for rightful reasons, that win may be the real thing that changes and dictates how you game plan this one out. I mean, you would agree this weather helps the Steelers, right? Yeah, I would say so, uh, for sure. Um, I think, again, the Raiders can run the football. They are a better passing team, but they certainly have a dedicated run game and have been successful at that. But I think taking the air out of the game plays itself into what Pittsburgh wants to do more than Las Vegas. And, and just the fact that you got all your your West Coast Vegas folks coming out here to play in three-degree weather, haven't played that in, in a long time, uh, sans Devontae Adams, that gives Pittsburgh an advantage. Okay. All right. Uh, anything else from Austin or Canada? I think um, that probably covers things pretty well. I agree. All right. We'll take a, a pause here and come back with one of our favorite guests, Vinny Bonsignor, who covers the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Vinny Bonsignor. And uh, you can also check him out on the morning tailgate 
uh, Raiders Nation Radio. He's a co-host there. You can see that um, if you're out of market on Raiders.com. So we'll take a pause and come back with Vinny. And welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. It is Friday. It is December 23rd. It is the 50th, officially the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. Obviously, the Pittsburgh Steelers will be hosting the Las Vegas Raiders on Saturday night at Acrisure Stadium. And we are blessed uh, to be joined once again uh, by Vinny Bonsignor, who covers the Raiders out in my neck of the woods out here in Las Vegas uh, for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, he's been a West Coaster for quite a while, does a great job uh, with not only the paper, but he also is the AM uh, host of Raider Nation Radio out here on 920 AM. Uh, you should be following Vinny already on Twitter. If not, uh, follow him at Vinny Bonsignor. That's V-I-N-N-Y-B-O-N-S-I-G-N-O-R-E. Feel like one of my own here. Uh, Vinny, <laughs> welcome, welcome back to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. Uh, Dave and Alex, thank you so much for, for having me. Uh, and by the way, it is all of those things. And you know what it also is? It's also cold. Um, and we, were, <laughs> we were talking before we uh, came on. Uh, I got here last night in Pittsburgh and I haven't stepped foot outside the hotel room just yet. Uh, I'm like that little kid that's, you know, should I jump into the water? Should I not should <laughs> I jump into the water? Is it too cold? You know what? You know, so uh, so uh, I'm kind of bracing for some pretty severe uh, conditions uh, out there. And certainly on uh, Saturday when when uh, kickoff at eight o'clock local time, it's going to be really cold. and It'll be interesting to see. Uh, who handles uh, that? Those conditions? Absolutely, uh, Vinny. Uh, uh, top of your Twitter feed here, uh, you have uh, your shot of you know the Franco Harris statue, which was moved into Pittsburgh Airport, and uh, you know obviously the 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 sudden and, and you know passing of Franco Harris just days before the 50th anniversary. Uh, you're about my age, I think, in in your 50s or so, Vinny, uh, and and you know obviously know the history and all of the Raiders and and. And, and obviously the immaculate reception kind of what was, uh, you know, what was your thoughts, you know, coming down that, you know, escalator or going into the airport and seeing, uh, that and just, uh, the, the, the realness of it all. Yeah. You know, uh, I was definitely bracing for it. Um, it's here, it's a, it's a fixture at the Pittsburgh airport, the, uh, the statue, uh, as it is. So I knew I was going to see it again. Um, but what got me was, you know, all the remembrances and the terrible towels that people have uh, come by and, and, and dropped, uh, you know, onto uh, on, onto the statue, um, you know, uh, expressing their their love and their sympathy, you know, for Franco Harris. And, and you know, it was funny, guys, because uh, I was just talking to a buddy of mine yesterday and uh, I literally think and I'm not you know, this is not a stretch. This is not an exaggeration. This isn't one of those, oh, just because, you know, uh, of, of everything that happened, you're saying this, but I honestly believe that the Immaculate Reception is my, literally my first sports memory. Uh, wow. I thought it was, I thought it was Garrow U Premium, you know, uh, right. in the Super Bowl, but actually that happened after that was, that, that followed the Immaculate Reception and my math had been off all these years. I thought that they were kind of separate years, but it turns out that, the immaculate reception was the same year, right? That the that the Dolphins ended up winning the Super Bowl that year. The, the Steelers don't win the or don't get to the Super Bowl after the immaculate reception, to my recollection. They go and lose, you know, they lose to the Miami Dolphins, right. who end up completing the the uh, perfect season. And I do remember in my head, it's grainy, 
But I remember Garo Upremium uh, doing his thing with the with you know missing the right. goal and then running it back for a touchdown, um, or however that happened. I think it was right. the other team that ran, ran it back for a touchdown. But uh, the point being, those that so so now now that I think about it, I do remember the immaculate reception happening live. It's it's very grainy in my head, but I totally remember. It. And of course, over the years, you know, seeing it being remembered you know on videos and people talking about it and always you know celebrating it uh, throughout the various a- anniversaries so uh, that lives on um, forever but yeah that's crazy man that is my literally my first sports memory we were blessed enough to have franco harris on the podcast over the uh, over the off season and all like that uh, did you uh, ever have any interactions with franco uh Vinny? You know, I can't say that that I have uh, certainly not a uh, any kind of a one on one type thing. Uh, I've definitely been in the same you know room. I was at the Hall of Fame this past year, and I want to say that that he was there when I was taking some pictures. I got to go look back uh, to see, to see if he was. Um, so no, uh, but I'll t- I'll say this as an Italian American. Uh, I will say this as well. Uh, he was huge in, in in our family and in our community. Um, you know, his mom was Italian from Italy. There was always the the Franco's Italian army. I remember that vividly as a right. kid. Uh, my mom loved him. She thought not only was he a good player, but a good looking dude as well. So I uh, heard that <laughs> quite a bit uh, growing up. So so there's a special, you know, for Italians. Italian Americans, there's there's names, there's Vince Lombardi, there's you know uh, Frank Sinatra, there's there's you know Dean Martin, there's there's icons in our in our uh, in our little world, uh, and Franco Harris was among them. Uh, this this great running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and to see his army up there in the stands, you know, kind of representing us, representing him, uh, it made it even more special for us. Uh, real quick about the uh, now uh, moving forward, you know, kind of talking about the game on Saturday night here. Uh, pretty lengthy injury report for the Raiders this week. Kind of hard to decipher who's going to be in, who's going to be out. Obviously, they've been getting healthy uh, with Darren Waller coming back, Hunter Renfro, Renfro coming back. Uh, how's the rest of this injury report going to shake shake out this week? Yeah, well, I keep an eye, um, you know, whether you're a fan of the of the Steelers or the Raiders, that offensive line, uh, it was pretty banged up on Sunday against the Patriots. They were down to, you know, once Dylan Parham, their really good rookie uh, uh, left guard went down and they brought in Jordan Meredith, who hadn't been in the Raiders building um, since like mid-September or so. He was a uh, he got cut in training camp, uh, came back on the practice f- squad for a couple of weeks, and then he got re- released from the practice squad. Well, he got signed um, just a few days before the Patriots game, uh, elevated to the to the regular roster, and lo and behold, he's out there playing 41 snaps, his first snaps uh, of NFL football in his career. Um, and then you had uh, Hieronymus uh, Grassou playing right guard, and he's traditionally a center hadn't played guard since 2018 uh, all of 80 play or 80 snaps for uh, the Baltimore Ravens he's all of a sudden the starting uh, guard had been on the practice squad all year so they were really vulnerable in that Patriots game uh, in the interior of their offensive line with those two uh, guards and if that continues again on Saturday um, that's going to be a tough tough deal for the uh, for the Raiders I did talk to Alex Bars a little bit um, before uh, heading out to Pittsburgh, he felt like he was, you know, on target to play. That would be big for the Raiders if he could come back at right guard. And then we'll see about uh, Dylan Parham, who's been one of the strengths of this offensive line. So it changes pretty dramatically when you're talking about that injury report and what it means to the Raiders uh, if if the their two starting guards uh, can go um, or if they have to go back 
uh, to their backups. Um, if it's the backup situation, uh, that definitely bodes uh, better for the Steelers. Vinny, really fascinated by running back Josh Jacobs season before the year, fifth year option decline. Some wondered, would there be a timeshare? Would he kind of fall out of favor? And now he's one of the best backs in football, having one of the best seasons by a Raider ever. Is that, is that, is there a certain reason for that? Is it that because there's a big chip on his shoulder? What is the reason that Jacobs is just tearing it up week after week? Well, I think it's a combination of things. I think number one, um, you know, uh, you'd have to be naive not to not to you know uh, believe that he he knew he saw the writing on the wall. Um, you know, it. Uh, let's go back to that decision not to pick up the fifth year option. I think it was more um, of a phil- philosophical deal uh, with Dave Ziegler, their new general manager, and Josh McDaniels, their head coach. If you look back at their history um, in, in New England, they don't really pay running backs a whole lot of money, and he was due. I want to say it was like an eight million dollar um, fifth year option. And I think that was, you know, on on, on the surface, eh, a little too much. Uh, did, do we really want to do that from their perspective? Um, and so they didn't pick up the fifth year option. I never read it as uh, it's it's over for Josh Jacobs in Las Vegas. I always um, understood and, you know, was basically told that, you know, a, a major door was still open for him to um, to, to sign and, and remain uh, in Las Vegas. But it was going to be one of those, let's see how it looks. You know, let's see how all this fits. Uh, so so there's number, there's that. You know, he's definitely playing for his next contract. But I also think he's healthy, number one. Um, he's been banged up a little bit, but nothing like a couple of the injuries that he's dealt with uh, earlier in, in his career that, you know, literally meant him missing games. And he's older, he's better, he's more mature. Um, I've talked to him a lot about how um, his his understanding of the game and understanding not only of – um, you know, what his linemen are doing, but also all, what defensive fronts are doing and what they look like and what, um, you know, certain schemes are intended to do. Uh, he always says this now, you know, he knows where the out is. Um, in the past, maybe he didn't because, you know, you're learning, you're growing, uh, you're understanding defenses, but there's always, uh, you know, in the back of his head based on his film work, whatever scheme he sees now, there's an out, there's a way, there's a, there's a, there's a, 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 an area he can go to where he could find some, some yardage, even if it's just one or two yards rather than, you know, losing yards. So, so there's that as well. Um, and so he's had a great season as a result. He never comes off the field. He's never tired. He's in tremendous shape. Got to also mention uh, that. Uh, and then as far as the committee, I don't know why I felt like, it wasn't going to go that way. Uh, I know there was a lot of talk because they drafted Zamir White. They drafted Britton Brown. They brought in Brandon Bolden. Um, they brought in Amir Abdullah. Uh, but I, I always felt like, I don't know, this weird feeling that Josh was going to take control of that. And I think everyone else, Amir is going to have his role as a third down back. Brandon Bolden was going to have his special teams role. And the rookies were kind of going to go through uh, a red shirt year. Nothing against them. I think they'll be ready down the line. And if their number gets called and it could get called on Saturday, they'll be ready to go. Uh, but I felt like this was going to be a one man show with Josh Jacobs, provided he stays healthy. And that's exactly what happened. And he's had a great year as a result. So I guess the question is, will that, you know, old Patriots regime, will they pay Josh Jacobs? Or do you think he's playing elsewhere next year? Uh, I think, you know, I want to say that because Josh, I believe, truly wants to be here. Um, now, of course, money is going to play a huge role in that, no doubt about it. But I think he wants to be a Raider. Um, and I think the uh, the Raiders want him. It would be, you know, he here's the thing. Um, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, they've, they've talked a lot about, you know, the, the kind of guys that they're looking for, you know, the leadership, the, the, the care for football. 
uh, the availability, um, all of those things, performance, obviously. He, Josh has come to embody uh, everything that the Raiders want to be about. It's why he got late in the season. This is very unusual. It rarely ever happens. Uh, the, the, the fellow, the captains of the team went to Josh McDaniels and Josh McDaniels signed off on it immediately and said, look, Josh needs to be a captain. This is just a couple of weeks ago, deep into the season mm-hmm. you know, so, so they, um, you know, kind of retroactively added him to the, uh, to the captain's list to make sure that everyone understands what this guy means to this team. So I'd have a hard time believing that they would let him walk uh, out of the building. Um, I'll say this too, you know, Mark Davis, I feel like Mark Davis, that's going to be one of those decisions or could be one of those decisions where the owner steps in and says, look, I want the guy to stay on the team. Now, I give Mark Davis a lot of credit because uh, he's true to his word in terms of he doesn't really meddle. You know, he hires people to do their jobs and expects them to do their jobs and uh, gives them the room to do their jobs. There's been some things over the years where he was talked into um, or talked out, not, not necessarily talked out of, but you know, where I, I would say that I'll put it this way. There were, there are things that have happened over the years, personnel wise, where he probably would have gone in a different direction if it was him, hmm. but making the decision, but he's always allowed his football decision makers to make those decisions. And I know that he's going to do the same here with um, here with Josh Jacobs. Uh, but I would think that if it got right down to it, he'd, insist uh that, that that josh jacobs stays with the team of course it's going to have to work out monetarily um but i think there's some a sweet spot or a comfort zone where uh, both sides can uh, can can fall on and, and agree to uh to make sure that josh jacobs does remain a raider you you mentioned at the top about the victor of this game might be the team that deals with the cold better are the raiders have they done anything during the week of practice to try to prepare for the extreme cold that's going to be saturday night's game yeah, there's really not much you can do. Um, it was, you know, uh, high 30s, 40s, uh, right? Uh, I, yeah, yeah. About, about that, right? I mean, at its coldest, at its coldest points, um, it's been cold in, in Las Vegas. There's no, there's no getting around that, but not this kind of cold. And I don't know if um, there's really anything you could do as an opposing team coming from west to east to really replicate that. I, did, I know Josh McDaniels asked, <laughs> the um uh the the uh the i guess the engineers uh, it would be uh, or whoever the facility managers of the uh of the raiders facility in henderson hey how cold could we get the indoor facility <laughs> um they, like he, he he literally wanted to try to get it as cold as possible and they were like uh well there's just cer- a certain point we could go otherwise the whole de- the whole darn thing you know uh <laughs> will uh it'll blow the whole cir- all the circuits and everything like that so there was only so far that they could go uh and as josh mcdaniels and a bunch of players that I talked to, um, you know, mentioned, look, it's all in the head at that point. There's really not even the team that the Steelers that are kind of used to this and probably are out there practicing in it, maybe as we speak, uh, it's still a mental challenge for them uh, as well. So uh, I am curious to see how Devontae Adams is going to handle it. He's the one guy on this team um, that he understands how to play in cold football. Sure. I came from from Green Bay and not only understands how to play football in that weather, uh, but has, you know, um, figured it out in a way that he could be successful. So uh, I do wonder if, if if his experience in the cold weather um, turns out to be some sort of a uh, something that the Raiders lean on, whether it's using him more, going to him more or whatever the case might be, because at the very least, uh, he knows what that's all about. 
Vinny, it looks like uh, and a pretty good Twitter uh, feed, I think, going around uh, uh, the last 24 hours on some tendencies of the Raiders on the offensive side of football. And look, I mean, I think if you break it down, I mean, they've been an, an, an 11 personnel team and a 21 uh, personnel team and mostly 11 personnel. Uh, but they do have, you know, have been running a fullback back there quite a bit with, uh, I think, about 22 percent of the time uh, with Josh Jacobs and, you know, Waller obviously being sidelined all this time. But then you turn on. Uh, the tape against the uh, against the Patriots there, and you see a little bit more with uh, uh, Foster M- uh, Moreau and 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 Waller on the field. Uh, are are a lot of their tendencies linked to not having guys like Hunter Renfro and Waller? And do you expect them to kind of have a little bit? Well, I mean, it's going to be cold. Both teams are going to try to run the football uh, a, a lot Saturday night. But are a lot of these tendencies maybe related to personnel not not having those guys? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and they, you know, it, it's, it's interesting about that because, uh, and I do expect Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro's workload to increase this week. They were on a little bit of a pitch count last week, last Sunday, coming back, you know, missing as many games as they did. But it's a good point because uh, in a lot of ways, the team that has been on film for almost the last two months, really, without Darren uh, Waller out there, uh, that team no longer exists uh, because they never they were never able to get to what they really wanted to get to from an offensive standpoint because Waller hasn't been out there for, right. uh, you know, uh, a good chunk of the season. And I'm talking going all the way back to training camp. You missed a lot of time in training camp with a hamstring uh, injury that was on the opposite leg. So he's had two hamstring injuries. A lot of people think it's just one that continued from training camp. Well, they were actually on uh, either leg. So uh, that's what he's been dealing with. And and as a result, they never really got to a chance to do what they really wanted to do, which makes, you know, these last few games for the Raiders really important. Um, you know, playoffs, we could talk about that, but, you know, uh, it's it's a little bit of a, not a pipe dream, but, you know, it's, it's probably secondary at this point um, because it needs so much help to just going out there and, you know, putting their best foot forward and playing their best football um, over these last three games. But also, from a um, sort of an assessment and evaluation period to finally get a look at what does this offense really look like when you have Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs and and Derek Carr uh, out there. Um, They had a vision for this offense. It didn't work because of injuries, uh, but they have a chance over this last month uh, to really get a good look um, at, at, at who they are. And I think that presents some issues for opposing teams because they just haven't seen that on film because those guys weren't out there. Boy, only 14 snaps of RPOs, according to some of the tendencies that I'm looking at. And in fact, I think that's third, that's ranked last in the NFL as far as RPO usage. So it'll be interesting to see if maybe they use some of that on, on Saturday, night, Saturday night. Flipping over to the defensive side of football, uh, Max Crosby. Wow. I mean, it's that guy, though, and maybe Perryman uh, in, 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 in the middle of the defense. Uh, this team's you know, been struggling with takeaways and, and, you know, giving up some points. What's, you know, they, they obviously have been getting to, or Max has been able to get to the quarterback, but it seems outside of that, even when they blitz, uh, they've been having problems with pressure overall. Is that correct? And and, yeah. and, why, and why is that? Yeah. Um, in an overall sense, no question. Um, over the last few games, they've gotten better at it. So uh, I guess you are who you uh have been most recently, I guess right. that's to coin a new phrase. But um, if they can continue what they've been doing, because Chandler Jones has actually been playing much better uh, of late. Let's 
play the four games uh, than he had uh, previously. And so that makes a huge difference. It's what they thought they were going to be defensively. Uh, when you bring in a Chandler Jones and have, you know, two pass rush demons coming off either edge. Uh, and then that helps your linebackers. It helps your secondary. And, you know, I know that the Raiders have played two pretty anemic offenses the last couple of weeks. But the fact of the matter is they've given up 17 points uh, in each of the last two weeks. Um, and, and why that is different you know, uh, compared to the past, because even against anemic offenses earlier in the in the season, they were giving up way too many points, not being able to get to the quarterback. Um, so with Chandler playing a little bit better, I think Jerry Tillery has also uh, added some uh, some pass rush inside. He's not the best run uh, defender. And that's that's something that the uh, Steeler fans should keep an eye on. If Andrew Billings, the Raiders starting defensive tackle out is out there along with Jerry Tillery, that really helps their defense because Billings is kind of the run stopper. Jerry Tillery comes in and rushes the passer. Uh, but if Billings isn't out there and he hasn't been out there the last two weeks, it leaves them really vulnerable uh, against the run. But they've also gotten Nate Hobbs back. Um, you know, uh, he's a, a young emerging cornerback, had missed a bunch of games with a broken hand. He's sort of easing his way back into it. I think Trevon Morag uh, has played better, um, you know, over the last few weeks. Uh, they've got a young linebacker, Luke Masterson, who's kind of got his legs under him and, and has been playing uh, better uh, as a result. Um, so it's it doesn't look good when you look at the overall numbers. And there's a lot of changes that are going to happen uh, moving into next year. I think that's one thing that the Raiders um, are champing at the bit uh, to really get to uh, as far as defensive improvements. But slowly but surely, with this group and the guys that they have out there, uh, they've played better football. It's not great football, uh, but it's been uh, good enough to help the offense stay in games. And so if that continues on Saturday, it's a little bit of a departure of, of who the Raiders have been throughout the season, but it would be a continuation of who they've been most recently. Vinny, my last question for you. I've paid a lot of attention to the Steelers' regression in one-score games this year. They're 5-5, five and five, but the Raiders are even worse at 3-7 and seven in those one-score games. It feels like they've should have won a lot more games than they have this year. Is there a common thread and reason why this team has struggled to finish games out and has have suffered so many tough losses? I know the, the Patriots game, you know, they got on the right side of that one, that crazy ending, but overall they've struggled in those tight moments. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can point to anything in particular. Um, uh, you know, obviously they, they, in, 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 in most of those games, unfortunately for them, they didn't execute, you know, uh, when they needed to execute. And it's kind of uh, ironic, not ironic, but um, it really drives home some of the messages going all the way back to spring, you know, uh, that, that they really wanted to uh, hammer home uh, with this group and, and kind of create an image of themselves as, as a team that, among other things, being smart, being tough, you know, uh, play their best football when their best foot when, when only, you know, uh, that uh, uh, was required. And we're talking about at the end of games, you know, uh, on third downs, on fourth downs, in the red zone, you know, playing your best football when your best football was demanded of you. And unfortunately, there's just been too many times where they fell short uh, of that goal. And here's the thing, though, um, and this is this is probably, um, you know, something that they want to get away from anyway, uh, because they've just been in too many close games, period. I know the NFL uh Right now, this year, it's it's been like a historically close season, you know, uh, for mm -hmm. in terms of margins of victory and all these one score games. 
Um, if you look at the Raiders, just just using them as an example, last year they were winning in a lot of those games, just like the Steel. You mentioned the Steelers; so they 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 were better in one score games last year. Well, they're not as good this year. Neither are the Raiders. But I contend that the more of them you play, the more those numbers kind of even out. So if you play, you know, 30 close games, it's probably going to be 15 to 15 when you add it all up. You know, whether it's from, obviously from season to season to season, you just can't. My, I guess my point is you can't keep playing that type of football uh, and expecting the same exact result because sometimes it's going to go the wrong way. Sometimes there's going to be uh, an offside. Sometimes there's going to be a drop ball or a mixed, missed, um, you know, uh, execution, or sometimes the kicker's not going to make that game winning field goal. So the more you put yourself in the, and here's, here's the thing. I, I went back and looked at, I know it's a totally different sport, but if you look at the um, shot percentage of uh, the greatest of all NBA players, when it comes down to game winning shots, I don't even remember if I saw anybody that was even close to 50% in those situations. Maybe um, Carmelo Anthony was, was pretty close. You know, he was like in the, in the, in the mid forties or something, maybe even the high forties, but everyone else, including Kobe Bryant, who had a uh, under 30% shot percentage when it came down to the game winning shot. And I know you're saying Vinny, it's the NBA and I get it. And I understand that. Mm -hmm. But I think my overall point is the more you've put yourself in those situations where it's got to come down to one or two plays it evens out, you know, sure. and you're not going to win all of them. You're just not going to win all of them. So um, I think that from the Steelers perspective and from the Raiders perspective, you got to build a roster uh, that, that, that puts you in better situations so that you can win some games where, you know, you don't have to rely on that last quarter comeback or that fourth quarter drive to seal, you know, the, the win. You just have to be better than that. And I don't know when that's going to happen for the Raiders, but I do know that in that building, they understand this is not the world we want to uh, be in. We won't. We don't want to be a team that just crawls into the playoffs or just basically wins enough game that particular year uh, to qualify. You want to be a dominant team that's a perennial playoff contender that's beaten teams, um, and you know obviously you have to win your share of close games, but have that be um, not the norm, um, and have the, uh, the you know the the more comfortable wins be the norm. We're wrapping up here with Vinny Bonsignor, a uh, uh, writer, uh, covers the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal. You can tell how awesome Vinny is. Uh, we're blessed to have him on. Vinny, real quick, where, where do you come down right now at this point on 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 Derek Carr? And I believe he's like 0-5 or 0-6 in games of 30, where, where the temperature is 32 degrees or lower. Uh, you know, how, how you know, do you think that'll play into uh, to, to his game? Uh, can we read anything into that stat there? Yeah, well, um, yes and no. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I will say this in, in defense of Derek Carr. He was, he played on some pretty bad teams though. <laughs> so right. it, it wasn't just him being 30 or, you know, uh, Oh, for whatever, uh, in those games, it was the Raiders mm -hmm. period, uh, that were, uh, Oh, for whatever in those games. And I, I, I jumped aboard in 2019 and I remember the first game that I covered was in New York. I don't, I don't want to say that it was that drastic of conditions, but it was, it was cold and rainy. It was December. Um, it was this horrible weather. And and I remember sitting in the press box, watching the Raiders, not just Derek Carr, but the Raiders going, Oh boy, this is going to take a little while. <laughs> and I was just coming off covering the Rams who had just come off the Super Bowl, So I kind of knew what that looked like. And I'm like, this isn't that at all. So uh, in his defense, he's been on some pretty bad teams. Um, as far as his, uh, you know, overall where I come down on Derek Carr, um, you know, I've always felt like the Raiders have let Derek Carr down more than he's let the Raiders down. 
uh, over the years. You know, it's been nine years. They've had two winning seasons. It hasn't been good. And, and right or wrong, uh, he's been the face uh, of, of that overall picture, which is not very good. When you look at the record, um, it's not been very good. You look at the individual statistics, they've been pretty good. You know, he's, 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 you know, uh, within the, yeah, I like that, that, that top 10, top 11, top 12, uh, you know, quarterback world, which isn't a bad thing. There's, there's, there aren't many guys on the face of the earth that could be that good, regardless of the situation. So I give him a lot of credit for that. And he's hung in there and he's been a true professional and has had to shoulder a lot of uh, losses and had to sit up there in the podium and some tough times, tough losses, craziness that has happened and, and sort of be the face of it and try to make sense of it. I give him a lot of credit for that too. All that said, uh, I do think that he's playing for his future, um, his Raiders future, I should say, uh, over these last three weeks. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked whatsoever, uh, not even uh, one bit, if this time next year we're talking about a different quarterback uh, under center for the Raiders. And it's not necessarily uh, a knock on, on Derek Carr, uh, but, you know, um, it's been going on for a while now. And the one common denominator is Derek Carr um, for a lot of these uh, not so good seasons. Uh, you've got a new head coach in Josh McDaniels. You got a new general manager in Dave Ziegler. At some point, somebody's going to say, "You know what? Um, it's time to go in a different direction." And and I do wonder strongly uh, if that's going to be the case this offseason for this particular leadership group. Man, he seems like a good guy. That emotional press conference a couple of weeks ago, boy, uh, that that really hits you in the feels. There, it means a lot to him. Here, Vinny, the Raiders are six and two this season in games that Josh Jacobs has rushed for ninety three or more yards in. The two losses uh, uh, were by one point each, so uh, it could have been just as easily uh, eight and zero oh in the games that Josh Jacobs has rushed for ninety three or more yards in. They are zero oh and six in games that Jacobs has failed to rush for ninety three or more yards in. So uh, what do you have for us, Vinny, uh, when it comes to, to Saturday night? Are they going to uh, ruin this uh, 50, 50th anniversary uh, of the Immaculate Reception? You do, how do you see this game going, and do you have a final score for us? Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a tough one. And, you know, the easy thing would be to say, just feed Josh Jacobs. And, right. You know, uh, but I'll, I'll say this. Against the Rams, I want to say he had 27 carries and didn't get – you know, they gave him the ball uh, and, and the Rams stopped it and the the Raiders lost. I, I wouldn't necessarily say it was because he didn't get the 100 yards. They just made some bonehead plays uh, down the stretch. Uh, but that's that's a story for uh, another day. Um, you know, I, I, I know the Raiders from, a you know, when you put that Raider uniform on, you look across the line of scrimmage and it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's only a certain few times where. Um, you know, from an iconic standpoint, uh, symbolic standpoint, where you can say that, wow, you know, we're looking at our peers from that perspective. Right. You know, these were two of the best teams uh, in the NFL for a long time in the 70s. And they and the Miami Dolphins, the Steelers, uh, the AOC went through those three teams. And I know the Raiders want to get back to that point. But I do know in their in their minds, when they put that uniform on, and they see the Steelers, something extra, you know, uh, comes about. And I know that they know the significance of this of this weekend. I don't necessarily going to say that they're playing for that, uh, but I knew organ. I know organizationally wise, um, you know, they felt they got wronged on that play. You know, it's being celebrated in Pittsburgh, uh, but on the opposite uh, end of the country, um, you know, it's looked on as. <laughs> that should have gone the other way. <laughs> you know, the Raiders right. should have won that team. So it's funny when I say that because I used to cover the Lakers and the Lakers were always celebrated, obviously, in Los Angeles. I was covering a, an NBA finals where they went to Boston and, you know, like 
the pregame stuff, you know, in, in LA, it was all glorious for the purple and gold and right. magic and everything. You go to Boston, it's the complete opposite. And it's so funny because when you watch the, the big videos and all that, you know, it, it's invariably you see the purple and gold <laughs> uniform of the, of the Lakers in losing situations against the Celtics. So, you know, the, the contrast is, is, is pretty interesting and it depends on where you're standing of whether or not you are happy about that day and about that moment. Well, there's a lot of pissed off people still to this day over the immaculate <laughs> reception. So they have a different perspective of it and, and they would like nothing better, especially on this weekend. Nothing, obviously, with all great respect for, for Franco Harris. There's a lot of love for him in the in the Raider building and uh, a lot of sadness right now. Uh, but this is sports and this is competition. Uh, and and if, and if they can write what they perceived as a wrong in any way on Saturday, they're going to take a lot of satisfaction in doing that. You got a score? Uh, I'm going to say... Um, 24 20 Raiders. All right. Are you excited about this weekend, Vinny? Uh, I always love, you know what? I love coming to Pittsburgh. It's one of those places where uh, there's something special going on here. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely excited. And I've, uh, I've brought all the necessary um, clothing uh, to make sure that uh, I don't freeze uh, out there when, when, I, when I do get out there. But um, I'm very much excited about everything that's going to happen. And I know with a, a heavy heart, too, for Franco Harrison, and, and, and I'm expecting the Steelers, as they always do, uh, to put together something spectacular that honors the moment. All right, for uh, fans, when they get out here to Vegas, fans visit Vegas and all. Tell them, uh, tell them where they can find you again. Yep. Uh, Vegas Nation, uh, which is the Las Vegas Review Journal. So if you if you want to read any of my stuff or any of the stuff all my great colleagues do, just go to VegasNation.com or download the app Vegas Nation. Uh, you get 100 uh, percent uh, Raider uh, content and the, and the best in the business. And then I, I'm also the co-host of uh, the Morning Tailgate show uh, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. or excuse me, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Uh, locally 9:20 a.m. and um, the easiest way to do it if you're if you're out of market is just go to raiders.com uh, and and uh, click on uh, their the the radio uh, button and it'll take you right to uh, to the uh, Raider Nation radio page and you can listen live uh, as they stream it every day. Vinny, Alex, and I have done this for a long time. Talked to a lot of people, a lot of beat writers over the years. You are you are at the tops here, man. Uh, we really appreciate it. Blessed to have you on. Enjoy uh, the weekend. Enjoy the game. And uh, once again, thanks for being on the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. Thank you, Vinny. It's always an honor. Thank you, guys. And uh, have a great weekend. Have a great Christmas and holiday. And uh, we'll talk to you down the road. Same to you. Thank you. And welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. And again, our special thanks to Vinny Bonsignor. One last call out to follow him on Twitter at Vinny Bonsignor. And Dave, a fantastic guest and as always, appreciate his time. Man, real accommodating uh, for sure. And you know, I just texted him while we were in, in the first part of that podcast here because he he thanked us for having him on. And how many times do we get do we get DMs or texts after the fact? I mean, if you listen to that interview, uh, you know, and Alex and I talked right after we got got off the call with him. Uh, we have done this a long time. We have obviously talked to, I don't know, probably a good 50 beat writers, I guess, over the years on this thing. Uh, Vinny is 
great at his job. He's very accommodating, gives detailed answers. Uh, he knows he, he doesn't get in a rush to get you on and off the call. And that means a lot. Uh, and that's what makes what Alex and I do this part of it. Uh, so damn enjoyable, man. Uh, could we, we could have Vinny on for three hours and, and probably still not, uh, uh talk enough about football there. So, uh, hop on the Twitter machine. If you're into that thing and, 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 and thank him for coming on and who knows, uh, the way the schedule shakes out. Uh, I think there's maybe a chance that they might, might, might play the Raiders next year. Right. Is that right? Yeah, I, I hadn't even checked, but there's probably some possibility of that. Uh, it's been happening a fair amount lately. So, uh, you, you, you know, that schedule stuff better than I do. I think you're researching that now. I don't know right. in terms of the, I, do they not play the AFC West next year? Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, they do not play the West. So they would have to finish along with them in now they, uh, uh, they have an AFC West to be determined. So that would be whichever team in the AFC West finishes uh, the same uh, with them as a division. So let's see, the, it's the Chiefs and the Chargers more than likely. So if the Steelers finish third uh, in the AFC North and the Raiders finish third in the AFC West, they will play each okay. other in Las Vegas. Oh, there you go. So there's actually a pretty good chance that happens. So you may be talking to Vinny again uh, next year. But Dave, let's you and I talk about this game, this uh, anniversary game of the Immaculate Reception. And by the way, again, people probably recognizing this by the time you listen to the podcast, the uh, Steelers Twitter account is uh, tweeting as if it was December 23rd, 1972 to replay and relive the Immaculate Reception. So that's pretty cool to uh, to follow along throughout the day. But um, for all the obviously the occasion and in, in, in the morning of Franco Harris, and, and that's first and foremost and weighs heavy on all of our hearts. This is a very important game for both sides, Dave. Six and eight Steelers, six and eight Raiders. Neither team can afford a ninth loss. Both teams have slim playoff hopes as it is, but they will be eliminated uh, whoever loses this game. So this is a, a critical game on December 24th. Absolutely. And uh, real quick, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars beat the uh, Jets on Thursday night. And if you're into that, uh, so you're saying there's a chance uh, that helped the Steelers chances. It keeps uh, uh, really all the remaining kind of scenarios going into Thursday night uh, alive. Had the uh, Jets beat the Jaguars, it would have taken out uh, the scenario that involves the Miami Dolphins losing out, uh, that one would have went out the door. But uh, uh, the, the Steelers got help with the Jaguars win. And Alex, uh, they increased from 0.4% chance to 0.7% chance <laughs> of, 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 of making the playoffs. So you're saying there's a chance. Uh, all those chances go out the window uh, if if the Steelers lose this game. They obviously have to win out, and it has to start Saturday night against the Raiders. So let's start with that Raiders offense, which to me is has been strong throughout the year. It's gotten better. They're a top 10 scoring offense, but they're really getting healthy at the right time, at least at the, at the uh, skill positions. Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro returning for the Patriots game last week. Waller had a 23-yard touchdown in that one. Um, I think Terrell Austin said it best where in the last couple of games, you've been focused really so heavily on on packing the box and stopping the run. That'll be an element of this. Josh Jacobs is having a, a career season, um, but they can pass the ball too with Adams, with Waller, with uh, Renfro. Um, it's really a much more balanced and, and potent attack. 
Yeah, look, uh, no joshing around here, Alex. Hey, uh, 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 <laughs> Josh Jacobs is having a great, great season. And, uh, you know, the knock on him for his career has been him, him trying to stay on the field, right? Been uh, nicked up here and there and missed time. Uh, I mean, you go back to, to, to several games, you know, uh, this past season. Talk about a guy that that uh, yards after first contact, man. Uh, this guy can get him. Uh, he can break the long run. He can run inside. He can run outside. Uh, they run, uh, uh, obviously, uh, 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 they're more of a zone running team. I think something to the tune of almost nearly uh, 60% of their runs are zone runs. They'll run gap some gap scheme on top of that though. Uh, they'll have a fullback on the field. They'll have a fullback off the field. They are, they have predominantly been, uh, and as we talked to, 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 to Vinny about, uh, normally it's, it's just 11 personnel or 21 personnel on the field and 21 personnel, obviously meaning, uh, uh, uh running back in, in, in a Raiders case, a, a fullback along with that there. And they will, they will run, you know, uh, you know, some schemes where, you know, the fullback will go one way and the back will go the other way there. They'll use motion uh, quite effectively in this thing. And they want to try to bludgeon you with the run. I think what would be most in the, the most interesting element in this, just, you know, saying that this team uh, has mostly been an 11 personnel team, but when they don't have the 11 personnel team, uh, our, our group on the field, they had the 21, but there are some signs with Waller back that they're using some two tight end type stuff as well, too. And they've got a nice uh, big uh, receiver, Mac Hollins, that uh, 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 is physical. They'll put an extra lineman out there. So I wonder if they try to uh, if we see them kind of break some tendencies, uh, not only because health of the team. Is, is better and you have Waller back and, you know, uh, probably going to up his snap count quite a bit this week, but because of the cold, because look, we're going to strap it up and uh, we dare you to stop Josh Jacobs 30 times a game uh, type situation there. But uh, uh, with the weather, the way it's, it's, it's probably or expected to go, uh, the passing element might be, uh, you know, uh, muted a little bit in this. Uh, but you got to stop the run first and foremost. You cannot let Josh Jacobs run uh, run down the field, then then get into the fourth quarter of this game and just be a bear uh, to tackle. Yeah. So that that's where it starts. Uh, very impressive in between the tackles. Yeah, and just to put into context how good of a season he's having, he is now the second leading single season rusher in Raiders history, only behind the great Marcus Allen. And Jacobs, with three games to go, may pass Marcus Allen. He's about 300 yards behind. And so a couple of hundred yard games could put him in first place. So he's been fantastic this season. But you're right, Dave, when you think about the, this Raiders pass game, there's just so many elements and levels to defend the outside and vertical with Devonta Adams, one of the best one V one receivers in football downfield, uh, the scene with Darren Waller. That's how he caught his touchdown against the Patriots last week. And then the option routes over the middle, short middle with Hunter Renfro. How do you deal with that with the slot corner? Um, I know he didn't have much of an impact in that Pats game, but he's certainly a guy that I think could go for seven for 70 with three or four third down conversions in this game. And so how do you defend all levels starting with Adams, but, but standing out from there, not, not with Spillane, not with no. Spillane on Renfro or, or Waller. No. That's for sure. You probably bump Sutton inside, but then you got pair on the outside against, you know, potentially Devontae Adams and, and they're going to probably challenge that matchup quite a bit. 
Yeah, look, uh, Renfro, he's a dangerous slot receiver uh, when healthy. And uh, Waller, uh, they can use him uh, either uh, uh, attached to the end of the line of scrimmage or they can use him like a wide receiver. So uh, having those two guys back allows them to do a lot of things, almost in the manner that uh, Josh McDaniels, when he was with the Patriots, right? You can look you you, you can look across and see uh, at, at the, the defensive personnel across you and decide, you know, uh, you know, what you want to run that way there. And, uh, uh, Adams, man, just a dangerous receiver. And Derek Carr is not afraid to, you know what? Uh, Devonte Adams is down there somewhere. Uh, uh, he's <laughs> that kind of, uh, you know, appropriate kind of Vegas quarterback, right? A gambler to, in, in a sense that, uh, they will, they will have both design shot plays and, uh, max protection, uh, types, uh, shot plays. And then there's other, uh, things where if David Carr can extend the play, uh, he will take shots down the field as well, too. Uh, they, uh, good old dagger concept, right? Uh, yeah. uh, where, uh, they will con conflict that, uh, middle of the field safety. Uh, you better be, you better be wary of cutting the crosser here. Yeah, that was going to be my, my final thought on the passing game is they really put defenders in conflict with some of those routes. Are you going to run the post and the dig and or different levels or run uh, dyno concepts where it's double posts and you're trying to just, you know, throw it where the safety doesn't go um, and, and, and things like that. So that's going to be the challenge in this one is to be disciplined, have good answers defensively. But you're right, Carr and Adams, I mean, they were doing that at Fresno State for a couple of years. Now he's back and they're doing it in the NFL. So it's kind of cool to see from that big picture perspective but yeah it's a it's a talented Raiders team overall the O-line as Vinny said some question marks left tackle Colton Miller has been better than where he was to start his career um that'll be a challenge for Alex Highsmith having his strong year and oh yeah they got your guy Foster Moreau as a number two tight end and I he, always like that catch kid <laughs> I know yeah and he he did well for Waller in his absence so that's a guy you don't want to forget about either right and uh yeah uh, you you got you got to hit car you got to hit him early uh got to hit him hard and make those, make those cold hits hurt. Cause I, I think he get, I think he presses a little bit uh, when, when, when it comes to pressure at times, the more you hit him. He's thrown an interception in each of his last four games, 11 on the season that has to continue. Uh, that streak must continue uh, this Saturday night. Let's flip over to the Raiders defense. And I think it starts with one man. You and I both recognize Dave and Max Crosby. Uh, the other Crosby, there's a there's a Crosby in Pittsburgh we all love. There's a Crosby in in Vegas that fans uh, may not love as much because he is one of the best pass rushers, one of the best players in football. Game wrecker, and he's not just a pass rusher. I mean, he is a do it all. He's he's their TJ Watt. Right, he is. He and that's why I use the term game wrecker. As much as uh, Watt is a game wrecker uh, for the Steelers when healthy, that is uh, Crosby. That guy. Uh, uh, just amazing to watch the tape on him. And Kwame Korfor is going to have his uh, – uh, Crosby normally stays on the left side, right? Uh, right. Yeah, so he'll be on a core on yeah a core four should see plenty of Max Crosby in this game. Right, so uh, you know you get uh, get the backs and and the tight ends going to have to uh, uh, get those elbows and uh, get uh, get some rib shots when you can on him uh, to uh, to uh, to help out uh, Chiquamo Core for you can't let, you can't let that guy uh, take over again. You know he's he's the same type of guy too that can get those hands up and make those kind of plays uh, when he doesn't get to the quarterback either. 
Absolutely. I mean, this guy's got 78 tackles this year. He's their second leading tackle tackler, one behind Denzel Perriman. And so he's the guy that impacts. I mean, you can't block him with tight ends. I remember watching one snap against, I think it was the Patriots. They tried to block him with Johnny Smith or something, and he sheds it easily and, and makes a tackle in the backfield. So again, very much their TJ Watt. Uh, hi, Diddle Diddleson, Najee up the middle. Uh, this is a, might be another perfect game for that, uh, for the Steelers. Uh, you and I were, uh, Andrew Billings fans coming out of, uh, I believe it was Baylor, uh, mm-hmm. there, but this, uh, kid has had, had his problems over the years and, and mo- most notably, uh, injuries and all he's injured this week as well on the injury report. Going to see, uh, in fact, I don't think he played in that last game for them. So, uh, and I think he's got, uh, uh, uh kind of questionable for the game here this week. Uh, even if he plays, he's not going to be 100%. And if he doesn't play, uh, Jerry Tillery, uh, you know, former form, former Chargers guy has as has landed there. Uh, he's had his, some of his issues uh, up front, uh, specifically, I think, uh, against the run. So, uh, run away from Max Crosby, or you know, don't run at Max Crosby. Try to you got to get this running game going, and you know, uh, uh, sp- specifically with the weather here, uh, the Steelers have 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 run better uh, as of late here. Uh, Send, send Warren, send uh, Najee up the middle. As you're doing a, uh, a, a Rudolph uh, thing there, send Najee, send Warren, send <laughs> Hunter and Blitzen. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's going to be the approach for sure in this one. Yeah, I was convinced Andrew Billings was going to be a stealer. That's one of my biggest misses I've ever had in my draft prediction. Usually we can read those tea leaves pretty well. I was convinced Billings was going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. I think there was some medical that was hard to guess at. Right. That- Caused him to, to drop, and you've seen some of the injuries throughout his career. Um, but yeah, the Raiders can be run on. They have to be run on. But their secondary is not incredible either. They're, they're not creating pressure. They don't create many uh, takeaways. They got 11 takeaways this year. That's one of the worst marks in football. So while it may be tough due to the weather to throw, you know, this Raiders team can be thrown on. Yes, they can. And it'd be interesting. Once again, we talk about the impact of the weather and, you know, on, 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 on guys like Carr and how it's going to, uh, you know, we think it might mute the passing game to some degree, it, uh, you know, it works both ways in this as well, too. I, I would expect, you know, one thing we, we didn't talk about real quick with Josh Jacobs is they use him quite a bit out of the backfield as a pass catcher, you know, yeah, 46 receptions. He uh, just doesn't leave the field. Though. He's one of the workers right. backs in football. Uh, and, you know, uh, uh, conversely, the Steelers haven't used their backs out of the backfield as much as, as maybe, you know, or definitely not as much, you know, Najee uh, uh, in relation to last year. This might be the game to to, to use the backs out of the backfield a little bit more. Uh, uh, you don't want Kenny Pickett uh, standing back there and taking taking hits from Crosby, you know, as well, too. Sure. So th- this is going to be a get the football out of your hands uh, fairly quickly. Uh, there will be situations where there'll be they're, – they're, they're predominantly a zone coverage team, though, I think. Uh, as well. So there's probably uh, not going to be as many instances on the outside where you see a single high uh, press man coverage there, you know, uh, type situation. When you see those, you know, you're probably going to want to take advantage of them. Uh, This could be another game though, where uh, high target, uh, high volume targets uh, for a guy like Deontay Johnson, I think. Yeah, I, I'm with you 100%. I think quick game is going to be important for a variety of reasons because of the Crosby pass rush threat because of the weather, the wind, trying to throw that ball in 20 mile an hour, uh, 20 mile an hour winds with gusts of who knows what those will be with Pickett, who does not have an incredible arm, um, probably not conducive to success. So they 
Pat Frymuth had zero receptions last week for the first time ever. I promise you, Pat Frymuth is going to catch a bunch of balls this weekend. Uh, going to catch more than he did. Uh, you would think uh, definitely more than he did. Than <laughs> well, he, he can't than catch he did, less. Uh, than he did uh, last week there. Uh, it would be good to see him. Look, uh, you look at the Raiders on the defensive side of football and and and, and Perryman, I think, uh, leads them in, in, in tackles overall. But he is... Uh, uh, he's not perfect. And, you know, especially against run, I, I saw, maybe you saw it on tape as well, too. Uh, there's some kind of questionable uh, 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 gap responsibilities, I think, by him uh, in, in some of the recent tape uh, as well, too. Uh, and you mentioned the secondary here. They're, they're, they're not built to, to really cover all that well, I, I don't think. And that's probably why they play you know, a, a, a lot of zone. You already mentioned a little bit earlier that they're not going to have Rock Yassin. Uh, if this was a normal weather type game, this, this team could probably be passed on. But I think you're going to see a short, crisp uh, ball out. A quick uh, portion of the Steelers passing game. I, I would like to see them maybe use the tight end more, obviously, and 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 the backside of the backfield as well too. I, I think there can be some yards after the catch uh, to be had in this game. Yeah, I think generally speaking, the Raiders are a more zone team on early downs on third and seven plus. They're going to man up. They're going to play cover one lurk, and so you got to find that lurk, that robber safety, the way that Pittsburgh uses Minka Fitzpatrick to kind of wreck things over the middle. But Carolina was a pretty man heavy team on third down in part because uh, the Raiders also blitz a fair amount as well. So they're kind of naturally manning up in those in those moments. So can you beat man coverage with Deontay Johnson, as you mentioned, Dave, the way that you beat man coverage with Deontay Johnson against the Panthers last weekend? I think that'll be a critical component of it. But yeah, I think Frymuth can have a big game. The Raiders linebackers are not that good. Perryman's not an amazing coverage uh, linebacker. There should be a much more concerted effort to get Frymuth involved uh, on Christmas Eve. Uh, Agreed. Uh, last notes here on special teams. I thought Josh Carney laid that out well in the report. Daniel Carlson, great kicker. Uh, AJ Cole, a really good punter um, as as well. And so field position may may mean a lot in this game. Field goals being able to succeed in those adverse conditions, that'll be important. So, you know, Boz and Harvin versus Carlson and Cole, that's going to be an overall matchup. To, not that they're competing directly, but what unit plays better is going to be important. You would think that... Uh... There's an opportunity for a, a special teams play to uh, play a big factor in this game. <coughs> Marcus Allen. Uh, <laughs> Without, uh, yeah, does not mean celebrating with the Raiders bench. Right. Not that kind of uh, special teams uh, yeah. playing a round uh, there, if you will. But uh, look, it's going to be cold. You get your opportunity to pay, maybe knock a football uh, loose. And, and as we've stated several times, uh, throughout this season for, for a team like the Steelers and, uh, you know, that, that, that prides ourselves in core special team, uh, players that make more than minimum. The Steelers have quite a few of them. Where have the plays been Alex? Yeah, not enough for sure. From, you know, a Derek Watt, Miles Boykin's probably been a bit quieter lately. Uh, Benny Snell's, you know, consistent and solid, but you're looking for that, that splashy play, but absolutely, you know, kick coverage. There'll be times where if the wind is at your back, they'll boot it into the fifth row. But if you're kicking into the wind, you're going to have some returns. You may do squib kicks, you know, depending on uh, the wind conditions and the gusts and things like that. And so, you know, how do you defend all those things? Can you kick field goals? Can you hit from 43 yards out with a strong win? How well can Boz judge that? It'll be it'll be tough to do, but that'll be the, the mission and, the, and obviously the goal. Right. All right, Dave, I think that kind of wraps up. Any final thoughts on the Raiders uh, in this one? 
No, it should be uh, looking. Once again, I think weather uh, plays into the Steelers' favor here, even as good as uh, at least your take, you, you know, maybe it'll potentially impact uh, the Raiders' passing game because it's uh, on, a, on a normal day. If this game was being played in, let's say, you know, September or something like that, uh, the, to me, the way these two rosters sit currently, uh, I would really have the Raiders with, 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 with an advantage in this thing. But uh, uh, I think it's going to come down to whichever team can run the football uh, better. And I think, as you mentioned, special teams is, is going to play a big factor in this game, uh, f- uh, field position and all like that. And, and uh, situational football with, uh, you know, stay out of those third. You know, we saw how good the Steelers could be on third downs when they stayed in manageable situations. Uh, don't, don't, don't put Kenny in too many of those third and seven or longer situations where a guy like uh, Crosby can get after him. Right. And as I mentioned with Vinny Raiders, three and seven in one score games this year, probably one of the worst records in football, Pittsburgh, not much better, but better at five and five. So which team can finish this one out in the fourth quarter, this game figures to be probably relatively close. That'll be key. But before we make, I, our- I, I, I think you have to make, you have to make the Raiders win through the air. I feel. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. And, I, and I'm sure the Raiders are saying the same about Pittsburgh. Stop right. the run, force Pickett to throw and see what he can do in those you know, terrible conditions. Cool. All right, Dave, before we make our picks for this game, let's uh, we'll make our picks for week 16. But before we do that, let's hear from our friends over at my bookie. Yeah, Alex, the holiday season is upon us and my bookie is in the giving spirit with 12 straight days of giveaways from odds boost to casino chips, to straight-up locks. MyBookie's 12 days of giveaways is a can't-miss promotion. Starting December 21st and ending on January 1st, you can bring in the new year right with giveaways that can help you fill your stocking with cash this season. Sign up at MyBookie. Use promo code TERRIBLE on your first deposit to redeem a bonus of up to $200. Again, that's promo code TERRIBLE to claim a brand new deposit bonus designed for betters looking to cash in and cash out quick. Experience sports in a whole new light and make this season a winning one. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. The new deposit bonus is a 10% cash bonus on deposits up to $2,000. The minimum deposit amount is $50 and the maximum bonus amount is $200. This bonus only has a one-time rollover amount. It doesn't lock you in, which is a major pain point for online gamblers. Focus on the cash in, cash out aspect of the bonus and not the percentage number. All right, Dave, let's make our week 16 picks. And I am 1-0 on the week with the Jaguars beating the Jets last night. And what At this point, what quarterback hasn't replaced Zach Wilson? Oh, it's like boy. literally the entire Jets team has replaced Zach Wilson. Yeah, wasn't that James Hetfield from Metallica out there in, in, in the second half playing quarterback for the Jets? Uh, no, really, it was a, 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 a kind of a, a Canadian. It was a Canadian football quarterback that was out there. Uh, what do you do? There's no way you can go back to him at now, even though I think uh, the head coach Salas said yeah. you, you haven't seen the last of, uh, <laughs> uh, of, 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 of Zach Wilson. I mean, how how do you go back to him at this point, especially with Mike White, I think hopefully going to be coming back here at some point. Uh, the fact that they didn't put Flacco in and they put in right. uh, 
Striebler. Uh, yeah, Striebler. Uh, isn't that the guy from the American Pie or something? Uh, oh, no, that was uh, <laughs> a lot of references. I'm not uh, understanding. Uh, today. Oh, that's true. Yeah, uh, you don't know. James Hetfield's the lead singer of uh, Metallica guitar player. You knew that. Yeah, right? I mean, I know. But I knew Metallica. I did not know the lead singer's name. I've seen American Pie, but it's been a long time. And also, I don't know. Is that what what? person in american pie are you referencing uh uh i forget the uh, uh stifler? stifler yeah yeah stifler okay i, I guess uh, i was trying to make a play on the on on, on the last name there and all but uh the Canadi- oh, i see that the canadian tebow uh, <laughs> uh i got a lot of respect tatted up guy like that uh, i bet that guy's a lot of fun at parties uh as well and and you are one and oh uh and I, uh, I outthought myself last night. I took the, uh, I took the jets to cover the two and a half and you even tried to tell me this is a gimme and I, uh, I refused to take it. Uh, well, hey, you're, you're closing the gap on me for the year uh, in, in our picks. So we'll see. Let's, let's go ahead and make the rest of our picks here. for All right. New Orleans Saints at the Cleveland Browns. The Browns are three point home favorites against the Saints. I imagine it's going to be just cold in uh, Cleveland uh, this weekend. Yeah, actually, it sounds like no Saints reporters are able to make the trip because all the flights got canceled, and so there'll be no Saints media presence. Uh, I'll go Browns. I'll take Cleveland, lay the three points at home against the Saints. The Lions are trying to get in this thing, or they're, they're in this thing, and they're trying to continue to stay in this thing. Uh, they're on the road against the Carolina Panthers. The Lions are two-and-a-half-point road favorites over the Panthers. True biting kneecaps fashion, rising up and, and making this run here. Uh, credit to MCDC or whatever they what do they call him? Uh, head coach Dan Campbell. There's a joke. Anyway, I'm taking the Lions. I'll take the Lions on the road <laughs> against the Panthers as well, too. Lay the two and a half. Giants on the road against the Vikings after their miraculous comeback uh, against the Colts. A record-setting uh, comeback at that. Giants on the road. The Vikings are 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 at home laying four against the Giants. Yeah, this one's tough. Uh, I'm going to lean Vikings, though. I'll go with you. Lay that four points with the Vikings here. Bengals on the road against the Patriots. If you're Steelers fans... Fam, you want the Bengals to win this one. <coughs> uh, bang, uh, 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 an asteroid would be better. But uh, in the meantime, Bengals laying three points on the road against the Patriots. Yeah, that Bengals offense, just too explosive for the Pats. Give me the Bengals. I'll take the Bengals lay the three along with you here. Houston Texans on the road against the Titans, who are without uh, without their quarterback. Uh uh, another game, the Steelers could use a Texans win here, uh, quite honestly. Titans still laying three at home with Malik Willis, I believe, starting for them. Yeah, this is a game I promise you I won't be watching. I'll go with the Titans, though. I'll take the Texans in an upset here. Uh, I'll take the three points here on the road. Seattle Seahawks on the road against the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs laying 10 at home against the Seahawks. You know, the Chiefs don't always cover that well, although they always find a way to win. This one's in Kansas City or Seattle? Kansas City. Uh, I'll go KC. I'll go with you. I'll hold your hand. Kansas City, lay the 10. Buffalo Bills on the road against the Chicago Bears. Uh, Eight is the line. Bills favorite, obviously. Can the Bears find a way to cover mobile quarterback versus mobile quarterback? End of the day, though. I'm going to make this one very chalk this week. I'm going Bills. 
Man, I'll go with you here. I'll take the Bills, lay those eight points. Atlanta Falcons on the road against the Baltimore Ravens, who I don't believe are going to have Lamar Jackson back this week. Uh, Ravens laying six and a half uh, at home against the Falcons. Yeah, it'll be Snoop Huntley versus Desmond Ritter making his second start. Not an exciting game. Again, I'll go Baltimore. I'll take the Falcons to at least cover this one, make it a field goal game. The uh, Ravens have been having problems scoring as of late here. Uh, Washington Commanders on the road against the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers laying six and a half uh, uh, at home in this one. Man, some big lines. I'm trying to find someone to cover here. You know, could Washington do it? You know, they've been competitive. But that 49ers defense just really strong. Brock Purdy's doing well. I'm going to go 49ers. I'll take Washington to at least cover here. I think this ends up maybe being a field goal game. So I'll, I'll take Washington plus the six and a half. Eagles on the road, I think, without Jalen Hurts uh, on the road against the Cowboys. Cowboys favored by four and a half. I'll go Eagles. Minshew Mania. I mean, it's one of the best backup quarterbacks in football. Cowboys find a way to underachieve. Been picking against them a bit. So I'll go Philadelphia. I'll take the Cowboys to cover the four and a half in this one because of the quarterback situation. Uh, Green Bay Packers at the Miami Dolphins. Uh, once again, the Steelers need, you know, would be helpful if the Dolphins lost this game. The Steelers cannot have both the Dolphins and the Chargers win this week. Uh, that Are they eliminated if they if that occurs? I believe that might be the case. Uh, both those teams, because I think both scenarios rely on either the uh, Dolphins winning out, uh, losing out, or the Chargers losing out, or both losing out. I think those scenarios are tied uh, to that. So they need either the Dolphins or the Chargers to lose this week, and obviously the Steelers have to win. Uh, Dolphins mm. at home, laying three and a half against the uh, Packers. Uh, you know what? The Dolphins have had their issues as well. Being at home probably helps in this one. Green Bay's found some traction. I'll go Green Bay. I'll go Green Bay. I think Green Bay can win this outright. I'll, I'll I'll go with you. I'll take the three and a half points. Broncos on the road against the Rams. Uh, Broncos laying two and a half on the road against the Rams. Yeah, another one I will not be watching. I don't know. Maybe the Broncos. That defense for Denver's kept them in a lot of games. I'm going to go Denver. I'll go. I'll go Rams in the upset here. So give me the Rams uh, plus the two and a half points. Buccaneers on the road against the Arizona Cardinals, who might not even have McCoy. This no, week. it's Trace McSorley, Penn State legend, starting. Uh, Tom Brady's lost some quarterbacks <laughs> this year, though. Uh, Buccaneers laying seven and a half on the road against the Cardinals. Trying to find a cover here. Not going to love this one, though, against that Bucks defense, which is good. I, I got to go Tampa Bay. I'll take Tampa Bay late a seven and a half in this one. And then uh, Monday night, uh, Chargers on the road against the Colts and uh, Chargers laying four and a half on the road. Once again, if you're a Steelers fan, you need to root for the Colts in this one. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a little biased here. Nick Foles finds some magic from a playoff uh, run years ago. I'm going to go with the uh, the Colts. I'll be Debbie Downer here. I'll take the Chargers and lay the four and a half points in this one on the road against the Colts. Uh, takes us all the way back to the Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Las Vegas Raiders Saturday night, Akershire Stadium, 50th, 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. Uh, the Steelers are, 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 are favored by two and a half in this one. I've already got my score written down. I know I know which way this one's going. 
Yeah, I'm with you as well, Dave. Uh, I, I'd be a fool to pick against these Pittsburgh Steelers with the emotion, the weight, how much this game means. I understand once the ball's kicked off, some of that goes away and the Raiders have a job to do and they're a tough team. And I think they're getting healthy and there's a lot of things that, that post problems against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But you're telling me Christmas Eve, immaculate reception, honoring Franco Harris, primetime football, everything on the line, Pittsburgh season on the line. They're going to lose this game. No way. Pittsburgh 20. Raiders, 17. <laughs> I got the same score yeah. written down. <laughs> We've been uh, doing this too long. R- right here. Uh, 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 what Alex said, that's my <laughs> analysis uh, uh, when it comes to this. I, uh, last, I, I'll, 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 I'll add this flavor to it. Last second walk off Chris Boswell field, field goal to uh, break a 17-17 tie to uh, pandemonium uh, at the end of this thing here. 2017 uh, Steelers. I think the cold plays a factor in this. I think uh, the Steelers sell out to stop the run, keep Josh Jacobs under that 93-yard uh, magic number here. I There's going to be a... Uh, uh, special teams uh, uh, turnover forced by the Steelers that'll, that that will result in a uh, Steelers touchdown some way in this. Derek Carr throws at least one interception. Uh, Kenny Pickett's numbers won't look fantastic, but he won't throw a pick in this game, and that'll be another key point to this. So uh, I'm right there with you. There's it, 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 It's un-American to think the Steelers lose this game. I'll say, so you say Chris Boswell game-winning field goal? Like, it, how, how far out? How many yards? Uh... 42. No, no, 32, 32, 32. It has to be 32. Oh yeah. For Franco, that that's fantastic. Um, I'll say it's Raiders lead 17, 14. There's 22 seconds left. Pickett rolls, right. Throws over the middle to Frymouth gets knocked back to Najee Harris. He runs it in for the score. Now that would be uh, incredible. Immaculate reception 2.0, but uh, yeah, 2017. I just, you know, the Raiders certainly pose a lot of problems in this game. I think the, the past game is going to be more to deal with than what Pittsburgh's been used to over the last three, four weeks. But just given the scenario, given how this team plays in those big weighty moments, given that they've closed out games better this year than the Raiders have, the Raiders have always found ways to lose games, although the Patriots game is the exception there. Don't expect Pittsburgh to replicate that. Pittsburgh closes this one out. How sick did you get uh, watching that uh uh, Jets team last night and going back and thinking how in the hell did this team lose to the Jets and just to Zach Wilson I mean because I, I mean it was he, he was because he, he was horrible the first three quarters he was like eight to 21 and then he came alive in the fourth quarter and I still can't wrap my head around that but I, I remember when I the most criticized article I've been for this year was after that Jets loss when I wrote something to the effect there uh, turn out the lights the party's over the old uh was that Dan Don, Don saying Meredith. Don Meredith saying um, you lose to the Jets with that schedule ahead. That was kind of the line in the sand. And if you had even just beaten the Jets in that game, Pittsburgh's playoff fortunes would be so much different right, right. now. And so that that is a loss in losing to Zach Wilson, who's been among the worst quarterbacks in football, if not the worst quarterback in football. You just, go, as you said, go back to that game and say, how did that one happen? Right. I mean, that has to be the most, the, the single most disgusting loss that they've had to see. I mean, and, you know, the, the they could have won the Patriots game. Uh, you know, th- there's obviously, you know, they probably could have won the Cleveland game. And, uh, you look at the Ravens game and what happened at the end of that. But, uh, as far as on paper, think, you know, the, the way before the season even started, one that you probably had circled maybe as a win was, was against the Jets. I mean, that, that has to be the single most disappointing loss this team has had this season, right? 
I think so. Although if this team loses to the Raiders tomorrow, then that one's going to hurt just as much because it ends your season. And obviously for all that it means, but uh, yeah, season very much on the line here. And again, just to clarify, we're hundred percent sure that it, even if the Steelers win, if the chargers and uh, dolphins, is it, is it as they, long they, as the, as long as the chargers and dolphins both, uh, don't win. You know, one can win, right. but as long but as they, they bo- both don't but, win, uh, uh, and if the Steelers win, they I don't believe they can be mathematically eliminated from right. the playoffs. But if the Chargers and Dolphins both win, then the Steelers are out. Is that, that that's a it. certain? Yeah. Team? Okay. And yeah. and those teams play on Sunday. Do you know the? Uh, the well, here here's the fun thing. It, it, it's uh, one plays uh, 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 the the Dolphins and Packers play on Sunday. So, uh, and then the Colts and the uh, Chargers play Monday night. So, oh, yeah, you did say that. So, so uh, we could be sitting around uh, on pins and needles, you know, d- depending obviously what happens with the Packers and 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 uh, and the Dolphins game, uh, seeing what happens on 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 Monday night, root, rooting for the Colts. Hopefully, it doesn't get to that. You want to see obviously the Steelers win, and then the Dolphins win on. Uh, I mean, the Dolphins lose to the Packers on Sunday, and then. You know, and then, you know, at least even if even if the Chargers win on Monday night, the studios hang around another week. As if the holidays weren't stressful enough, you might be waiting on Christmas Day and the day after seeing if Pittsburgh can still stay alive. But of course, it all starts with uh, winning on Saturday night. Right. As Adrian uh, told Rocky, win. (laughs) All right, Dave, (laughs) let's get to a couple of reader emails and close out today's show. All right, Bryce, uh, back with us. He uh, says, sad, sad day with the news of Franco. Dave, I have one question today for you and then a general question. Dave, not sure if you've ever addressed this, but in your pantheon, using big words on me there, uh, of NFL running backs, how do you view Franco's standing and where do you place him on your all-time list? I I really don't, I mean, I I, I, I really don't think of, uh, of that. I'm kind of bad when it comes to, uh, all-time list like that. I mean, obviously, Franco's up there most definitely in that era, right? You know, Jim Brown's, obviously, and and uh, along those lines. I mean, back, back in that day where if you ran, you know, running the ball successfully, successfully was a, was, was huge and it really opened up the downfield passing game uh, back then. I mean, without a doubt, I mean, he's probably, you know, for, for that era, I mean, it has to be top five, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, remember, he was threatening Jim Brown's rushing record. He fell, I think, 160 yards shy of that mark and of that era. It was, you know, I mean, Brown was the era before, but Brown, right. Walter Payton, Franco Harris at one time, like your top three you know, rushers in, in history, and Franco's still very much up there. So, yeah, I, I don't have the, uh, haven't done the exercise to to rank the best backs. I mean, you know, there are so many other names and Barry Sanders just mentioned Walter Payton. Um, but Franco, certainly, as you said, up there. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, and, and you know, several have pointed out this week, you know, Franco Harris was more than just the immaculate reception. You know, sure. uh, he's tied to the to 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 the greatest football play in 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 in, in the history of the NFL. But, you know, Franco, there, Franco's career did not need the immaculate reception for the exclamation point. 
Right. Take that play away. He's still a slam dunk Hall of Famer. Right. Absolutely. Uh, his second question here is, what is the Raiders' top run play with Jacobs you've seen on film? And how should you sp- uh, Steeders specifically scheme it up to stop it? I mean, I think it's the inside zone, right? With that yeah, insert. I think there's that element. They do a lot of stuff out of two back, I think, inside zone. And then just their lead strong play, which is the fullback, get downhill behind the fullback and, and just push ahead. I think those are the, the core concepts. I think you got uh, you want to talk about. Uh, I mean, look, I, the, the, uh, Bush and Jack or whoever's you know in the middle got to be really disciplined because of. And as you pointed out, uh, looking at this uh, 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 scouting report here, uh, they will run. You know, uh, opposite of the full where the fullback goes too. So and then you'll have motion sometimes on top of it. So there's a lot to kind of diagnose there. So uh, you've got to really trust your know, gap responsibilities in this, and and don't let your eyes uh, uh, lead you somewhere where you need you know, don't need to be. Absolutely. So there's a there's a physical element, but also the assignment. You know, above the neck football IQ element because the the Raiders understand that when they go heavy, teams are going to key that fullback, and so they're going to occasionally window dress this one and kind of have a false path of the fullback just to to keep teams honest. Uh, Devin Murphy uh, writes in. You both did a great job discussing and navigating the death of Franco. Well done. Well said. Props to Alex, especially. Very well spoken. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate I'm, that. I'm not very well spoken. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just wish it was a better circumstances yeah. to have that conversation again. Just I can't get over it, Dave. It was three days away from I that know. moment. I mean, it just I mean, obviously, had Franco died at any point, it would have been sad and tragic. But just given the context and I under, and, and the other reality isn't this is a very downer note to start to close the show out on. But we're losing we're losing guys at the 70s. I, I mean, we're, Chuck Knoll's gone. Uh, you know, Dan Rooney's gone. Franco's gone now, uh, you know. They're getting older, and it makes me very sad. It's just, it's just, it's inevitable. I know, but it's still, you know, just, just very difficult to deal with. Yeah, look, and uh, you know, to be my age, to see, I mean, these, you know, yeah. and, and 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 not only you know sports, but music legends and all, like you know, childhood heroes, you know, right. uh, guys you emulated, you know, uh, uh, in in your front yard, you know, uh, all, all the time. Uh, all right. Uh, I apologize for not being very well-spoken. Uh, Jeff Kinney writes in, hi, Dave and Alex. Thanks for entertaining and educating us. Yenzers through a challenging season traveling through Las Vegas this week. And I thought I right to grieve with you guys over the loss of Franco Harris. He was always a class act and one of my all time favorite steers. I agree with you there, Jeff. Uh, my question today is about Alex's favorite topic, punting. My dad taught me to to punt with the laces up, which I believe was a standard method used in the NFL. In recent years, generally when attempting a nine iron shot uh, inside the 20 punters started dropping the ball point down. Uh, PH3, uh, Presley Harvin uses this drop regardless of the position on the field, which seems like it contributes to inconsistency. Kicking a point has to be harder than kicking the side of the football opposite the laces. Has this become the standard drop now in the NFL? Merry Christmas to you both. It's a great question. I, I, I hadn't paid as much attention to it as you have. So props to you. I don't have maybe the technical expertise on, on that aspect of it. Um, I'd like to think that, you know, under Danny Smith's eye, that that's not going to be that much of an issue that they're doing the correct thing in terms of how they're they're dropping it. Um, but I, I like I said, I really don't have an exact answer in terms of maybe why there's some inconsistency. I think it goes back to technique and just your stroke and things like that. But I don't have a great answer in terms of is there is it that is it something else with just his follow through or just his overall swing? 
or something else. The actual dropping of the football is there some some things to work on. I really couldn't tell you. Well, I'd like to see one or two of them end up inside the five-yard line on Saturday night. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Uh, again, field position, I think, in this game will be everything. All right. Let's see if I got one more in here. Jason Kelly writes in, Franco. Hey, guys, just want to send love out to Dave. I know Franco was his guy growing up, so this one has to hurt. Uh, these people we never meet have such a big impact uh, on our lives, and it certainly leaves a hole when they're not in the world anymore. RIP, Franco. Yeah, look, I mean, as I stated, you know, growing up in Northwest Florida, uh, uh, you know, when it, when I grew up, obviously the Steelers, you know, uh, uh, got into prominence in late seventies, about the time, uh, I was hitting, uh, 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 you know, uh, or, you know, kindergarten grade school. I remember you know, I had to have everything Steelers, man. Uh, I had to have, uh, and everything black and gold, you know, because, because of my love for the Steelers, it became, I had to have everything Pittsburgh, everything black and gold, birthday cakes. You know how hard it was back in the 70s. And my mom, believe it or not, my mom uh, uh, took uh, cake decorating classes Hmm. uh, as a hobby uh, way back then. And my mom was a baker and all like that, probably like most moms in the 70s. So every birthday, uh, you know, she she baked the cake and decorated herself and that that kind of thing there. And it was always kind of themed birthday cakes. I can remember having Steelers cakes and you know how hard it is to make black icing <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, 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 and gold icing. And uh, uh, one year was a, you know, a Pittsburgh Pirates uh, cake that that had, you know, some uh, resembled a ball cap on top of it there. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, 30 number 32 Jersey uh, was the first Jersey I ever had. And, uh, you know, emulating the immaculate reception and the, and the Lynn Swan falling down catch against the, uh, against the Cowboys. And Alex, as Alex kind of said, you know, uh, I've reached, we've all reached the age now where, you know, the, these legends are, 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 you know, unfortunately passing now and, uh, just, just the timing and everything, you know, what, what hits the hardest of this is, is, is not only losing the player, but the timing of it all as well to make, sure. makes you even doubly sad uh, on, on top of it. Appreciate the email there. Uh, Brandon Hatcher says, uh, dear Mr. Brian and Mr. Kazora, uh, what time, what a time to be a Steelers fan. I was at the game in Charlotte and the crowd was easily 60 to 65% Steelers fans, man, the videos, there are just incredible. The amount of Steelers fans, they're waving the terrible towels there, especially after that. You see that one shot after the pick and score he said i had a chance to watch alex highsmith warming up in the end zone practicing that spin move that gives uh, offensive tackles nightmares even in warm-ups you can feel the breeze from highsmith's spin and it was awesome to see him use it in his hometown also a quick question in the fourth quarter carolina had the ball it was second down with eight to go 1254 in the game clock edmonds bulls over the offensive lineman and forces Darnold to make a throw to to the sidelines. Uh, why was it not intentional grounding? I know he has uh, was out of the pocket, but I thought the ball needed to travel at least to uh, line of scrimmage and did not uh, see a receiver in the area. I have to go back and, and look at that. But but he was out of the pocket though, right? Yeah, he was. Uh, they definitely ruled that incomplete, not a fumble. I'm guessing. If it was a fumble, then that would be moot. But if it wasn't complete, then, then I don't have a great answer. I thought they ruled it incomplete. In, in I, I don't have, I, and and I remember the play, but I don't, sure. I don't remember, you know, uh, just off the top of my head in there overall. Uh, about the Alex has a great video up now on the uh, on the Highsmith spin. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's been a weapon for him, really his whole career, even in 2020, his rookie season, he was doing it, but but very selective with it. Again, the pass rush plan and the timing of it is just as important as as anything else. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a potent move, and it make, I, I think it might be one of the best, if not the best individual move in football. He says, you are the best and love the mock draft with us taking Osiris Torrance from Florida. That would be uh, Jonathan Hightritter doing the mocks right now at this time of year uh, until Alex and I can get get, get going on it. Uh, Brandon in South Carolina. Brandon, thank you for the email there. All right, Alex, we run a little bit long here, but uh, probably with good reason. Big, big game coming up and all. Uh, sorry if we didn't get to, 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 to the emails with you guys here. Uh, we'll you know try to send them again or whatnot if we didn't you know, uh, get, get, get yours this time around here. Uh, Alex, uh, Merry Christmas and all Merry Christmas to the listeners. Uh, enjoy the game. Alex and I will be back on, on Monday to recap it all going to be a very, very eventful and probably emotional weekend at that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot, follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora, follow the show at terrible podcast, email the show, the terrible podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, uh, go to, steedersdepot.com hit the donate button also add free version steedersdepot.com upper right hand corner uh, of, of, of the website there until Monday Merry Christmas Happy Holidays Happy Hanukkah uh, as always thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex